Welcome to the 185th episode of the 4th and 24 podcast. Excuse my slight voice today, I'm a little bit under the weather, but in this edition our topics are a brief overview of my weekend predictions, our weekly look at the NFL and college football, and our weekly looks at both the NBA and college basketball. Let's jump right in with a look back at my weekend predictions. Starting in the NFL, where I went 3-1 this week, I went 4-0 in the NBA predictions, which were all Christmas Day games, and I went 2-2 in college basketball predictions, and I went 6-6 in bowl game predictions, which brought me to a 15-9 overall record this week, 597-396 and overall, which is a 60.1% winning percentage, but let's go back and go through those games individually. Uh, for the three wins in the NFL, the Chiefs beat the Seahawks 24-10, the Bengals beat the Patriots 22-18, and the Cowboys beat the Eagles 40-34. The loss of the week was the Packers beating the Dolphins 26-20. I had the Dolphins in that game, but they were not able to pull out the victory at home. Uh, in the NBA, again, 4-0, so all of these are going to be wins. The 76ers beat the Knicks 119-112. to The Mavericks beat the Lakers 124-115, the Celtics beat the Bucks 139-118, and the Nuggets beat the Suns 128-125 in overtime. Then in college basketball, I was able to kind of highlight the uh, some of the mid-majors this week, uh, with the exception of Creighton and Butler and then Missouri and Illinois, uh, but some very good mid-major programs that played on Wednesday before Christmas break for all of college basketball. Uh, but yeah, look, Missouri beat Illinois. Uh, 93-71, Illinois came into that game ranked 16th in the country, so that was a big upset uh, by Missouri there. Uh, Santa Clara beat Boise State 73-58. I predicted both those first two games wrong. Uh, Boise State had a very good season up until that game and still having a good season. Santa Clara only a three-loss team themselves. Uh, then you have Creighton, who beat Butler 78-56 in uh, early Big East matchup. Then you have UNLV, who beat Southern Miss 74-63. Those teams combined before that game happened were 21-2 and two together. Um, just two very good programs, UNLV 10-1 before the game, Southern Miss 11-1 before the game, now uh, UNLV 11-1 obviously, and Southern Miss 11-2, uh, but still both having very, very good seasons. Um, in, in programs that maybe aren't really known for being so dominant, although UNLV had an era a little bit ago where they were dominant and at the top of national uh, conversations, not just Mountain West conversations, but this year seems like they're heading back in the right direction. Uh, but my predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website on Thursday. Um, and without further ado, I will talk about those college football predictions, but I will talk about all of those games in bowl season. Uh, New Mexico State beat Bowling Green 24-19. to I predicted Bowling Green in that game, did not get that one right. Uh, this game was Maybe a little bit less entertaining than some of the other ones, but you know what? It was a good day after Christmas reintroduction to the bowl season. Then you have Middle Tennessee, who beat San Diego State 25-23. to This was a very close game throughout. Uh, some missed opportunities by both teams. Really slow offense in the second half in general. Uh, both teams having quarters where they didn't score at all. For Middle Tennessee, it was the first quarter. And then for San Diego State, after taking a 14 to nothing lead... They got shut out in the second quarter and surrendered their lead all the way down to a one-point lead by halftime, winning, leading 14-13 going into the half. Middle Tennessee ended up just kicking four field goals in the second half, and that was enough to knock off San Diego State at the end of their 
season. Middle Tennessee getting to eight wins. San Diego State still finishing above 500. Uh, but then you have Wake Forest. Sam Hartman and the Demon Deacons beat beat Missouri. Sorry, they didn't beat themselves. 27-17. Missouri finishes with a losing record. And uh, Wake Forest has Sam Hartman go out on the right uh, on the high on a high note, the right note, whatever you want to say, before he entered the transfer portal after the game. We will see where he goes, although all signs are pointing towards him going to Notre Dame is the uh, that's the word out there. And we'll see if that happens. But for now, Sam Hartman delivering a big bull win to a Wake Forest program that hasn't really had long sustained uh, periods of success. But Sam Hartman and uh, Dave Clawson able to deliver that over the past few years at Wake Forest, giving those fans some hope for the future of that program as well. Uh, then you had Houston, who beat Louisiana 23-16. They were losing 16-6 at the half. But they shut out Louisiana and outscored them 17 to nothing in the second, uh, eventually taking the lead with less than 30 seconds left for the first time in the game. But that lead was the only lead they needed, as that would end the game by that same margin, winning 23 to 16. After those first two predictions were wrong, those last two were right. Then I got this one wrong as Air Force beat Baylor 30 to 15 to give the Bears a losing season, following up a Big 12 championship. Um, so not a great season for Baylor, ending with that losing record. And really, the Big 12, after they had all those teams sitting at 6-3 and three and uh, looked very mighty, they kind of all beat each other up before the end of the season, and, and a lot of them snuck into bowl games, didn't really play well at the end of the season, but still made it at the end. I'm looking at Oklahoma State, I'm looking at Baylor, um, and, you know, just overall, we thought it was going to be a very good year for the Big 12, but... It turns out that it wasn't so much of a great year uh, in the end. Then Western Kentucky beat South Alabama 44-23. The high-flying offense of the Hilltoppers came to play in the first half, taking a 31-3 lead over South Alabama uh, before halftime, and I got that prediction wrong as I had South Alabama winning that game, unfortunately. Uh, they did not come anywhere close to winning that game. Uh, then you had Toledo, who beat Liberty 21-19. That was my redemption after losing two in a row that Toledo had gotten me a win that night, uh, beating Liberty, uh, both teams ending with five losses, but Toledo ending up nine and five, Liberty ending up eight and five. A good win by Toledo in that game after a very slow first half. They put up 18 points in the second half to win 21 to 19. Then you had Eastern Michigan, who continued the max hot streak in bowl games by beating San Jose State. 41-27. to I believe that game was actually earlier in the day than the Toledo game. I pasted it in the wrong order, but they were on the same day, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but Eastern Michigan, I did not pick them to win that game. San Jose State jumped out to a 13-0 lead, but Eastern Michigan quickly flipped that to a 30-13 lead at the half, and uh, San Jose State not able to mount enough momentum to uh, complete the comeback before the half, or before the game was over. Uh, so San Jose State taking that loss there against Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan and Toledo getting nine wins out of the MAC. Very good seasons for both of those programs. Then you had Buffalo, who beat Georgia Southern 23-21 just this morning. Uh, we are doing live up-to-date games because uh, there are like 20 bowl games in the next week, so I figured we had to include the Tuesday games because otherwise there are way too many games to talk about next week. Uh, so we're including the games today, even though normally we wouldn't. Um, but anyway, Buffalo did beat Georgia Southern this morning. 23-21, uh, 
They had a lead of 14-6 to at the half, which they were able to keep in the second half and kind of maintain their momentum throughout the rest of the game. Georgia Southern, kind of like San Jose State, just not able to make the comeback, not quite able to come up with enough points for that. Uh, but in the end, a very good win for Buffalo as they end their season 7-6 and six and get a win over Kyle Van Treese and the Georgia Southern team led by Clay Helton. Um, two familiar names for different reasons. Kyle Van Treese, familiar name because actually... He was the quarterback at Buffalo before transferring. I believe he played three or four full seasons there and then went entered the transfer portal before this season to play at Georgia Southern. And Clay Helton's name, familiar for being the coach, of course, at USC for, uh, I think, six seasons. Um, and then coming to Georgia Southern and, you know, they started their season off pretty well, actually pulling an upset off on the road against Nebraska. But we all knew how Nebraska's season ended up turning out. That wasn't that big of an upset. Uh, but in the end, Georgia Southern had some good moments in the season. Definitely have some things to build off going into the next season, but not exactly the result they wanted to finish the year. Definitely not. Uh, but moving on from them to a team who did get the result they wanted to, Memphis won their bowl game to move on to 7-6 and six on the season. Utah State, after coming back from one and four, from a 1-4 and four record to start the year, not quite as impressive as Fresno State, who went from 1-4 to 10-4 and four at the end of the season, but Utah State going from 1-4 and four to bowl eligible. Still a good streak of winning five of their last seven, and then, unfortunately, not able to close it out in this bowl game. Memphis, one of the bigger favorites uh, of bowl season, and they showed it on the field today, winning 38-10 to 10 over Utah State. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Utah State was happy enough just to get an opportunity to play in a bowl game after the start to the season that they had. Uh, but Memphis getting the all-important victory in that game, and that's really all that matters. And then in the battle for the Carolinas, East Carolina beat Coastal Carolina 53-29. to They scored in double digits in every quarter of this game, 10 in the first to take a 10-0 lead into the second quarter. Then they scored 14 in the second. While they gave up 14, they were still up 24-14 to at the half. They scored 14 in the third quarter, and then they put up 15 in the fourth quarter. So a great game on offense by... Uh, Holton Ullers and East Carolina as a team. Just really good offensive team that they have there. And then in the final game of the day, Wisconsin was able to take down Oklahoma State, beating them 24-17. to uh, They had a 17-7 lead at the half, and while Oklahoma State was able to put up 10 points in the fourth quarter, Wisconsin had a 24-7 to lead going into that fourth quarter, and that was just not enough from Oklahoma State, and Wisconsin... Ended the game on about the five-yard line anyway, so they could have scored again if they really needed to. Uh, but Wisconsin getting that third win of the day uh, for my predictions out of the four games that happened today. Um, in the first real big day, this is like the best week of bowl games where there's just three or four games pretty much every single day, sometimes even five games um, throughout this week, and then obviously ending in the college football playoff as well. But narrowing it back down to Wisconsin, that was their eighth bowl win in the last nine seasons. A pretty secure pick that when they get into a bowl game, you could probably uh, shoot them in for a win. Maybe it's like the lack of opt-outs. I don't really know what it is, but Wisconsin, good record in bowl games. Uh, maybe that's Paul Christ, who knows? But, you know, this time they had Luke Fickle coaching in the bowl game, which was admittedly a little bit weird that a coach from another team during the whole regular season was coaching a different team. For his bowl game, very, very weird, but at the same time, 
it's okay. He's going to coach them next year anyway, so it's fine that he started a little early, got in uh, with the bowl practices, and was able to help out with those. But that is all I have for college football. We will move on now to the NFL, which is getting closer to the end of the season, and we will talk about the best games of Week 16. Uh, first, you have the Vikings who beat the Giants 27-24. Greg Joseph kicking a 61-yard game-winning field goal, the longest field goal in Vikings team history to win the game um, with no time left on the clock. It was a um, it was a crazy game. It was a really fun watch. Both these teams, I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere, but not expected to be strong contenders, and yet both of them pretty likely to make the playoffs. The Giants not 100% yet, but pretty good chance of making it, and the Vikings have already clinched. Uh, but then you have the Bengals who beat the Patriots 22-18. to The Patriots, if you want to talk about playoffs, they are tumbling towards, uh, or maybe not tumbling, but trending towards missing the playoffs while the Bengals are able to... Uh, keep on rolling and uh, keep their lead in their division over the Ravens. Um, Moving on to another division, the Titans lost this weekend to the Texans. The Texans beat them 19-14, snapping a very long losing streak. They were 1-12-1 on the season before this game. And uh, look, they don't look like they're going to give up the first pick because of that, but the Titans did give up something very significant in that game. Uh, they gave up the division lead because while we're not going to talk, or well, actually we'll talk about it later, but the Jaguars beat the Jets. We'll talk about that game later, but that game combined with this result has allowed the Jaguars to move into a tie for first place in that division. And even better, uh, the Jaguars have the tiebreaker over the Titans as it stands right now. But let's move on from that. Talk about another division. This was an important game, but maybe... The significance was lessened a little bit by an injury. Jalen Hurts not playing for the Eagles, but the Cowboys won 40-34. Neither of these two teams has played with their uh, starting quarterback um, in both games, actually. Cooper Rush starting the first game against the Eagles for the Cowboys, and then you have Jalen Hurts starting this game against the Cowboys for the Eagles. So a starter versus a backup in both of the matchups this season between these two teams with the best two records in the NFC if you... Exclude the Vikings there, I guess, because the Cowboys do have a little bit of a one game worse of a record than the Vikings do. But look, regardless, you can tell a lot about these two teams. I would say that the Eagles victory that came against Cooper Rush earlier in the season was a little bit more commanding than the Cowboys win against Gardner Minshew this week. Um, So I I will say that I still give the edge overall to the Eagles for sure. And the Eagles are going to be the ones who have home field uh, as long as they're able to win one game in the rest of the season. uh, They will have home field at least against the Cowboys, probably they would be able to lock it up over every team in the league, actually, not even just the NFC. But we will see um, what happens with that. But for now, the Eagles, I I feel like they're still the better team than the Cowboys, but this was still a fun game, a a shootout on on Christmas Eve for sure. Uh, And then you had the Raiders and the Steelers. The Steelers beat the Raiders 13 to 10. Sorry, I almost said 33. Uh, But look, The Steelers, they put up 10 points in the fourth quarter. They kept themselves in playoff contention. They did all you can ask for. Um, I don't really know if playoff contention is the right way to describe it, but I guess in the race, they're not really a player in the race, but they are definitely still in the race at 7-8. and They still have a chance, not a great one, but a chance to make the playoffs, Um, while the Raiders pretty much eliminated after that. But 
I guess they they still technically might not be mathematically eliminated, but at six and nine, there's pretty low chance that they make it. Then you have the Packers, who beat the Dolphins twenty six to twenty. Packers and Dolphins uh, going in the fourth quarter tied at twenty. Actually, the Packers losing twenty to thirteen at the half, but thirteen to nothing. The Packers outscored the Dolphins in the second half. Tua threw three interceptions in this game. Did not have a great game whatsoever. Aaron Rodgers made a few ridiculous throws and played just well enough for the Packers to end up closing it out, and they still kind of control their destiny in terms of the playoffs. It's looking likely that the Packers will be able to make it if they can take care of business these next few weeks, uh, although they do only play teams with a winning record. Um, and th- Well, at least that was going into this week, other than the Lions, who had a 500 record. Now the Lions are under 500, but still a formidable opponent there. Uh, but we'll see if the Packers can close it out and make the playoffs. Then finally, you have a battle of two teams who really didn't look like they wanted to win this game, and frankly, neither of them deserved it. Uh, the Buccaneers beat the Cardinals 19-16 to in overtime. Cardinals choked a lead in this game. Uh, actually, every quarter played even, surprisingly. 3-3 uh, three to three at the end of the first, 6-6 six six at the end of the second, and also at the end of the third, and then 16-16, into the fourth quarter before the Buccaneers got a game-winning field goal in overtime, but I will just say, this game was incredibly boring. I was barely watching it because the NBA on Christmas was much more fun to watch. Um, That Denver and Phoenix game especially, which I think was actually the one that was on at the same time, but I I, I barely watched this game, I'm not going to lie, but look, Buccaneers come away with a close win in overtime, still control their own destiny in that division despite the fact that uh, they probably don't deserve to as a 7-8 and eight team. Uh, but indeed, they do control their destiny in the division. They could make the playoffs with a losing record. It's looking likely that somebody will in that division. Uh, although maybe the Buccaneers might win their last two and end up 9-8. and eight. We will see. But I will move on now to the most impressive teams of the week. Starting with the Chargers, who beat the Colts 20-3. The Chargers playing really well on defense, which was honestly the biggest surprise um for me they have always had a good offense we know that but you know the 20 points against the Colts that's kind of whatever that's pretty much a given that they'd be able to score 20 points against you know pretty average defense the Colts defense maybe they'd be a a very very good defense if they had you know they didn't have to play as many snaps uh but you know unfortunately their offense isn't great so because of that they play a lot um and they give up a a few points for sure they're an average defense I would say overall uh, but the Col- but the Chargers, sorry, not an average defense. They have been a horrible defense all year long, but the last three weeks, the fewest points allowed in the league, and this week, no different, playing very, very well on defense uh, recently, and that will be important in the playoffs. They will need to play good defense to beat the better teams in the AFC, and it looks like they have a chance to keep doing that, and if they do, they'll be a strong force in the AFC. I mean, we have the top three solidified with the Bengals, the Chiefs, uh, and the Bills, but maybe the Chargers can be a sneaky fourth team in that little mix there. Uh, we'll see what happens, but for now, a good week by the Chargers. Then, look, I don't really know where to put this game. It obviously wasn't one of the best games, but uh, the Rams putting up 51 against the Broncos. I guess the Rams impressed me this week, especially Baker Mayfield playing a very, very efficient game in the Rams' defense getting a pick six, generating a lot of pressure in this game. But overall, both of these teams are train wrecks. Uh, Just had to mention it because it was definitely a notable result of the weekend. Then 
we have the 49ers who beat the Commanders 37-20. to I was not actually too impressed with the 49ers. It didn't really feel like a 17-point win, but I still am giving them credit for putting up 30 over a strong Commanders defense in the second half of that game. Uh, then you have the Panthers, who after rushing for just 21 yards last week, put up 320 rushing yards this week against the Lions. Maybe that's more about the Lions' defense deflating rather than the Panthers' defense be- offense sorry, being impressive, but I'll give the credit to the Panthers. Uh, just to be a little more positive, the Lions falling below 500, and the Panthers keeping their divisional hopes alive this weekend. Then we have the Chiefs, who, as I said earlier, beat the Seahawks 24-10. They were able to shut down Geno Smith to an extent, did a pretty good job playing defense there, uh, but also able to generate just enough offense, didn't really need to do too much in this game. They controlled the game very well, and they move on to 12-3, and looking still really strong this season, but the Seahawks falling below 500 after looking like a very strong wildcard contender through most of the season. Uh, hit a rough patch recently, including some injuries as well that hasn't helped them. Then finally, you have the Jaguars, who beat the Jets 19-3, to uh, and while that didn't clinch a playoff spot or anything for them, uh, their win combined with the Titans' loss to the Texans moved Jacksonville into a tie for the divisional lead in the AFC South. Uh, and let's talk about some of these scenarios, the clinching scenarios that happened last weekend. After the Chiefs clinched the AFC West last week, the Chargers clinched a wild card spot this week with their win over the Colts. So two teams from the AFC West will be in the playoffs at least. Uh, I don't think the Raiders are making it, and the Broncos are definitely eliminated, so probably will stay at two after... Some people thinking before the season that all four could make it, or at least three of them could make it, uh, but that definitely not happening. Then you have the Jaguars, as I said, moved into that tie. They play Tennessee in the final week of the season after a matchup with the Texans, so the Jaguars will probably enter uh, week seventeen or sorry, week eighteen uh, at eight and eight with a chance to beat the Titans and take a winning record and a divisional title uh, into the postseason. And then finally, we have teams who clinch the playoff spot. Uh, the Ravens clinched the playoff spot this weekend with a 17-9 win over the Falcons that I didn't mention earlier. And while the Bills clinched their playoff spot last weekend, their 35-13 win over the Bears this weekend clinched the division uh, for them. Then the Browns were eliminated with their 17-10 loss against the Saints that I didn't mention earlier. But that is all I have for the NFL. We will obviously talk about that stuff next week. More teams will be clinching their playoff spots next weekend. And we'll talk about the scenarios of other teams that can clinch next weekend. We'll go through all of that. Uh, But without further ado, let's move on to the NBA recap for this week. Uh, Starting with my most impressive teams of the week, I will start with the Brooklyn Nets, who went 3-0. And uh, despite not playing on Christmas, still played a strong schedule as they were able to take down the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Golden State Warriors. So... Uh, A tough week for the Nets schedule-wise, but they ran through it, maybe not necessarily easily, but definitely uh, comfortably, and that is enough for them. I mean, look, it doesn't really matter how you win, as long as you get the wins, and the Nets now moving on. uh, They are two and a half games of the West, or sorry, of the lead in the Eastern Conference for the best overall record. They have won nine games in a row. That might be including results from tonight, which I didn't want to do. Actually, no, they didn't play tonight, so... Just from that game alone, 22-12, and 12, two and a half games back of the Celtics for the best record in the East. Just a half game back of Milwaukee. Uh, and nine in a row uh, for the Brooklyn Nets is just a great result. Uh, this team has 
definitely shown up as they were supposed to at the beginning of the season. A strong top three there with Boston, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. Then let's move on to the Denver Nuggets, who went 3-0 this week. They beat Phoenix, Portland, and Memphis. You know, not the strongest schedule, but 3-0 is 3-0. And their win over Phoenix was a great win as well. Devin Booker, supposed to play in that game, only ended up playing four minutes after he injured his groin. Uh, But look, the Nuggets still played a strong game, a strong week, and they maintained the number one seed in the Western Conference. Then you have the 76ers, who are staying out of the the nasty playoff uh, or play-in bracket zone. Uh, Four games back of Boston for the lead in the East, but three games ahead of New York and Indy, who are tied at 18 and 17 for the sixth and the seventh seeds. Uh, Philly definitely avoiding that plane right now. Currently would be slated to play the Cavs in what would be a pretty interesting series. Uh, But Philly, uh, they are playing really well uh, as of right now, and they will hope to continue that momentum. Uh, They had a strong comeback win over the Knicks on Christmas Day after the Knicks were really kind of on. They they were hot for a little bit, but now they're in the middle of a losing streak uh, that was started with that game and the game before that. But let's move on if we want to talk about losing streaks to the most disappointing teams of the week. Starting with the game that I already mentioned, actually. I said that the Suns game against the Nuggets was interesting, but unfortunately for the Suns, they were on the wrong end of it. They were on the wrong end of every game this week. They went 0-3. They lost to Denver, Memphis, and Washington. Just not a good week for them. And uh, the Suns not looking like the strong contender that we always, uh, or that they've come to be recently. Um, we'll see if they can pick it up. They are still 20-15, and 15, which obviously isn't bad, but definitely not the team that we expect them to be uh, at the beginning of the year so far. Then you have the Timberwolves, who also went 0-3 this week. They, same as the Suns, haven't been as good as we uh, as good as advertised before the season. Uh, but the Suns, while they're still in the top five of the West, Minnesota is not in the play-in as it stands right now. Even after getting that significant upgrade trading for Rudy Gobert, their team has played worse this year despite having more talent. I don't know what that may be. I haven't followed their injury situation that close. But Minnesota should not be 16-18 and 18 at this point in the season. They shouldn't have a losing record. Unfortunately for them, they do. Uh, This week, they lost to Miami, Boston, and Dallas. So a somewhat tough schedule, but still can't be going 0-3 when you want to contend for a playoff spot. And then finally, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, who played the other top four teams in the East, that being Boston, Brooklyn, and Cleveland, and lost to all three of those teams um, in the East. They still maintain their spot at number two, but not looking like that team that we thought they would be, kind of similar to the Suns. Uh, as those two teams obviously were the finals matchup just two years ago. But now the Bucks not really looking that great. Um, and look, I, I still think they have time to put it together and really, really be a super, super, super strong contender and maybe even upset Boston. But uh, for now, they're looking like they're trending downwards. I think they'll turn it around pretty quick, though. And again, as I said, they are still in the two seed, so it's not... It's not like it's the end of the world for them. Uh, They're still in a good spot, but for now, not looking too great. But let's move on from the negative notes. Let's move on to a more positive note. Let's finish with the NBA Player of the Week. I gave it to Pascal Siakam this week. He's averaging, or sorry, he averaged 39 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists with 1.5 steals per game last week when the Raptors went 2-0. Pascal Siakam, one of the the less appreciated players in the league, more underappreciated if you want to word it that way. 
Uh, but he deserves to get more love, so I'm giving him some of that love. And uh, I was also going to give it to Luka Doncic, but he then did something that had never been done in NBA history tonight. And uh, while that's out of the uh, range that we talk about for the NBA, uh, he'll be the player of the week next week, safe to say, as long as he plays two decent games in the rest of the week, he'll uh, he'll have that statistical advantage. So I gave it to Pascal instead. But let's move on from the NBA and talk about college basketball. We will start with the close games and, you know, a little bit of an abbreviated recap as there weren't that many important games this week because there was a long Christmas break where only the members of the Diamond Head Classic tournament were playing. So that's like four games a day on, I think it was Christmas Eve that they played. Those were all standalone games, but... You know, no one else was really playing at the time. No one played on Christmas. So uh, overall, or maybe they did play on Christmas and they didn't play on Christmas Eve. It was one or the other, but it doesn't really matter. The point is there weren't that many games this weekend um, or over the last week. Next week, definitely we'll pick up as we also start conference action. Uh, but starting with actually some conference action, a few games in the conference have already started. And uh, that would be the Big East. They definitely have started already. Number two, UConn beat Georgetown 84-73. to 11 points would normally not be a close game for me, but this was the closest that any team has gotten, actually, to beating Utah- UConn this year. They've won all of their games by double digits, and 11 is the smallest margin that they have won by uh, outside of their game against Oklahoma State, where they won by 10. UConn still my number one team in the country. Uh, then you have number 22, Miami, who beat number 6, Virginia, 66-64. Not calling this an upset, even though maybe you could make the argument that it was, uh, but a really good win for Miami. Obviously, pulling off that... Pulling off that big win there. Uh, They had one loss going into the game. Virginia had one loss. That's why I don't really feel like calling it an upset because Miami was also at home. And uh, look, they had pretty much similar expectations coming into the season. Virginia just had a little bit of a rougher path to get to their one-loss season, whereas Miami had a little bit of a lighter schedule. So they didn't kind of climb up in the rankings as much, but they've really been playing at a similar level all year long. Then you have Providence, who beat number 24 Marquette 103-98 in double overtime. It looks like Providence is up to the same shenanigans as last season, where they won a bunch of close games, flying under the radar at the beginning of the year. Um, I've been struggling to try to fit them into my brackets, just because there are a lot of teams with strong resumes, according to a few metrics right now. Um, But Providence at 10-3, and and now getting that win over Marquette, starting to trend towards... Uh, tournament contention. I had them at the beginning of the year and had to demote them after a few losses because their schedule uh, isn't that strong, but I had them in the next four out last week before, or actually after that win, I had moved them up there, Uh, but we'll see if, you know, win a few more Big East games and that number will probably change that positioning and will probably change. I don't know why I said number, Uh, but moving on from that, Oklahoma beat Florida 62 to 53 in a matchup of two teams that are Kind of on the bubble of the tournament. Definitely speaking of a bubble matchup, North Carolina beat Michigan 80-76. to uh, I really don't think that there was that big of a separation between North Carolina and Michigan before this. Uh, Michigan, very, very close games that they've lost outside of their big blowout loss against Arizona State. But Arizona State was in the top 25. And uh, Michigan still, if you... Well, Michigan has lost to teams that have all been in the top 25 at some point this year. I won't say that are in it right now because Arizona State, as we'll talk about in a second, uh, they lost uh, and dropped out of the top 25, but North Carolina now in it. And then Michigan's only other losses are to Virginia and Kentucky. Virginia by two points, Kentucky by three or five points, something like that. So small margins on the season in terms of their losses, other than that Arizona State game. They still have a chance to win a few Big Ten games and be right back in the mix for the tournament. They're not necessarily in the next four out or first four out, but 
somewhere a little bit beyond that on the outside looking in. Uh, whereas North Carolina, if they had lost this game, would definitely be back on the bubble in the last four in kind of range. But instead, they take their spot as a pretty solid at large. I actually have them all the way up at a five seed after some other results that have happened recently. Uh, but I'll move on. Number 20, TCU beat Utah 75 to 71. Utah had pulled off an upset earlier in the year over Arizona, which is still Arizona's only loss. Uh, but TCU coming in to this game, getting a big win on the road over the Utes, a strong non-conference win to close out their non-conference slate. Uh, and then you have the upsets of the week. We will start with Wake Forest, who beat number 14 Duke 81-70 in some ACC action. Uh, a bad loss for Duke, but they had some players out. And Wake Forest is not a horrible team, definitely on the border, uh, or on the bubble, I should say, of the tournament. Uh, they were in a few weeks ago for me. I don't know if I still have them in or not, honestly, uh, but I definitely have them somewhere on the outside looking in on the bubble in a similar position to Michigan before this game. We'll see what I think about them after this game uh, at this point. But then you have Drake, who beat number 15 Mississippi State, 58-52. to Drake, kind of a little darling of the mid-majors. They have been consistently good for a few years now, maybe overshadowed a little bit by Loyola Chicago. But now that Loyola Chicago has moved on to the A-10, they will not be overshadowing Drake anymore, uh, and Drake should probably win the Mountain... Sorry, the Missouri Valley Conference. I almost called it the Mountain West. Uh, that should be their conference to lose, but we will see what happens there. Then you have Boston College, who beat number 21 Virginia Tech, 70-65 to in overtime. Uh, another ACC upset. And uh, by the way, Mississippi State had not lost a game before then, and Virginia Tech had only lost one. Speaking of one-loss teams, San Francisco beat number 25 Arizona State, 97 to 60, an embarrassing loss for sure for Arizona State. Just not a good look whatsoever. Uh, but if you want to talk about embarrassing, Eastern Illinois beat Iowa 92 to 83 on the road. Iowa was a 31 and a half point favorite in this game, the first and still the only 30 point favorite to lose a game this season. Uh, and then it only got worse from there for the Big Ten as Missouri beat number 16 Illinois. 93-71, to 71, despite Illinois, I think, being favored by 5.5 or 6 points. Illinois has had a very weird season. I called them out a few weeks ago and said that they need to put together a good week, beat multiple Power 5 teams in a week, because I don't know how they're going to do anything in the Big Ten if they can't beat multiple Power 5 teams that are lower level than Big Ten programs, and Missouri certainly fits that kind of script, and uh, they're not able to do it. Illinois has a lot of things to figure out. We will see if they can uh, later on in the season, but for now... That wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Tuesday, January 3rd, uh, as we bring in the new year, where we will recap my weekend predictions, have our weekly look at NBA and college basketball action, and talk again about the bowl games and, at this point, the college football playoff, and also week 17 of the NFL. In the meantime, be sure to check out my additional content, including predictions for every college football bowl game that were posted last week, my NCAA basketball tournament bracket that will be updated tomorrow, uh, and my picks for next weekend's games that will be posted, as always, on Thursday. All that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.